Welcome to the Creating High Performing Teams podcast. I'm your host, Jason Evander, CEO of Get Lighthouse. And this week, we're taking a look back at season one of the podcast. If you've been listening for long or a reader of the blog, you know we're passionate about one-on-ones. And despite us not having any episodes specifically talking about one-on-ones as the central topic, over and over, the great leaders we spoke with this season kept bringing up their importance. That's why in our final episode of the season, we're taking a look back at those lessons and bringing them all together in one place for you. Think of this as the cliff notes of what the great leaders who joined us had to say, and also a great way to see what episodes you may have missed that now you want to go back and check out. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Creating High Performing Teams podcast. Our goal is to be the most actionable podcast on leadership and management you ever heard. We want you to walk away knowing exactly what you can do to be a better manager every time you listen. I'm your host, Jason Evanish, the CEO of Lighthouse. Throughout the season, we've had a variety of great guests and some solo episodes, each talking about different ways to improve as a manager. Not surprisingly, one-on-ones are a key part of all of that. Why is that? Well, let's, let's think about what a one-on-one really is. First of all, it's private. It's just you and your team member, so the conversations can be candid and safe. It's also focused on them. No surprises there. The meeting is all about them, so any topic related to them is great for this meeting. Whether you want to get feedback from them, give them some coaching to improve, or tell them they're on the right track for things they're doing, or just deepen your relationship personally. This meeting is all about them, so all of those and many more topics are fair game. Third, one-on-ones are consistent. If you're doing one-on-ones right, like many of our guests have talked about, you're having these meetings every week or two with your team. That means as things come up, you already have something on the calendar to talk about these things instead of feeling like you have to make some new meeting that could scare them, or it's just really hard to find time on your busy calendars to actually meet. Finally, one-on-ones are foundational. Your relationship with your team lives and dies by the quality of your one-on-ones. The good news is, if you do them well, it can make your whole team more productive, effective, and collaborative, as well as follow your lead more consistently. But that doesn't happen by accident. So let's listen into a few episodes to learn how to expand and improve your one-on-ones from the great experts we had on for the 20 episodes this season. It all starts in episode two with Mark Crowley. He's the author of the amazing leadership book called Lead from the Heart, which is all about how caring and empathy as a manager makes a huge difference and how your team perceives you and how they'll remember you. And Mark is a longtime friend of the blog. He, he's contributed many great bits of advice and an awesome interview previously on the blog. And so I knew when we started the podcast, we had to have him on, which is why he was our very first guest ever for episode two. And while he was teaching us all about what it means to lead from the heart and why it matters, he also had a key insight about how one-on-ones are a key part of showing that empathy as a manager, or as Mark calls it, leading from the heart. Let's listen in. And if you can't do 11, let's do it Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to keep the call. And when people see that you are giving them their time, that's the most valuable, generous thing you can give someone is full attention on you, Jason. Absolutely. And when people feel that that's happening consistently and they start to go, well, you know what? Um, you know, my, my wife is working ridiculous hours and I'm really struggling trying to keep up with, you know, t- the kids right now because she's a nurse. She's got a lot of COVID patients. Like now all of a sudden we're having this conversation that is totally unwork related, mm-hmm. but it's you're so 
you feel so comfortable that now you're sharing what's really going on with me. And if yeah. I just say, man, you know, I'm so sorry if there's anything I can do to help that, you know, but I just want you to know that I'm sorry that you're going through that, Jason. Just hearing that from your boss, it, it goes here. It doesn't go here. And people oh, yeah. never forget it. And But the only way you have that is by scheduling those meetings and not thinking, oh, people can call me if they need me kind of. A thing. Oh, yeah. Open door policies fail. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Mark, you're preaching of the choir here we make one-on-one software here at lighthouse so we're literally about, <laughs> we're, we're literally all about uh helping you actually make the most of these meetings with hundreds of questions to help you break the ice when you don't know how to have that meeting and have that conversation and we also have an area we call the report tab which helps you remember little details about your team so mark unbeknownst to you uh i swear i didn't put them up to this but um uh but that's literally exactly what we try and help people do so um, i used to have yeah. like a bell i used to have a bell in my office i wish i still had it but yeah like the plug bell you know I could bring yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no i love this and you're absolutely right though there's so much you learn in taking that time to talk to your team every week and you know those those little things in life they 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 add up as you just heard from mark sometimes the best thing you can talk about in your one-on-ones is what's going on with the person outside of work Because no matter how buttoned up a culture you have, there are things that happen in people's lives that will absolutely impact their work. These are things like divorce, death, sickness in their family, major life changes, like maybe having a baby, moving into a new house, moving to a new town where you don't know anybody. There are a lot of reasons why life will throw you curveballs and it's going to affect your ability to focus at work. And being an empathetic manager will make a really big difference. And so remember that to be a truly great and effective manager, you need to be the manager that your team members feel safe coming to to talk about these things. And there's no better place than your one-on-ones for them to either safely bring it up or for you to ask the right questions so that they can open up to you a little more. Yet your one-on-ones with your team are not the only one-on-one that matters. As important as your one-on-ones are with your team, there's another one-on-one that's just as important for your success as a manager, and that's the one with your boss. And in episode four, we had Wes Cow join us to talk about her viral tweet storm about how to better manage up. So let's listen in to what we learned about using your one-on-ones to better manage up. So your next tweet that I really liked was all the benefits you get from managing up well. So as you put it, when your boss loves you, you have options. You can take on more interesting projects. You can spar one-on-one and riff on interesting ideas. And there's room to grow and develop skills in new areas. In short, you get the benefit of the doubt. Um, I was wondering if maybe you could share an example of perhaps maybe when you made this transition in the past uh, or uh, a key relationship maybe shifted either because someone started managing up to you that way or, or maybe as you were kind of going through this journey of the trial and error of you learning, learning how to do this yourself. I've worked with a lot of colleagues that were um, at the same level who mm-hmm. were great at managing laterally. So I consider managing yeah. up, down, laterally, kind of all in the same bucket. Um, and so with with those coworkers, um, I think them proactively bringing up a topic that they wanted my feedback on where they were giving the right amount of context and wanted to riff on an idea, those have created some really, really productive conversations. Um, and so, you know, right now I'm working with two of our GMs, a GM of core and a GM of partnerships at Maven. Um, and both of them run their own business lines um, and 
our relationship is more was more one where I'm supporting and uh, a thought partner for them. And I think that we wouldn't have such a, a productive um, relationship and come up with such good ideas with, you know, with every single one of our one-on-ones if they uh, weren't so great at, at quote-unquote managing up or, or managing laterally. Um, so I think I think that's one great example where a lot of these tips, it's not just managing up to your boss. It's also any any colleagues, coworkers where you need their buy-in and support. I mean, that's that's just as often as as um, needing something from your boss or needing approval or or buy-in. Um, a lot of times you need buy-in from colleagues to be able to get something done because most of our a lot of our work uh, as as professionals these days is cross-functional. Um, so I think that's a great example of, um, you know, getting the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, me, you know, being more excited to talk to them, me wanting to support them, me, you know, being eager to see, you know, how can I plug into your team? How can I help fill gaps? Uh, you know, what do you want to to talk through? Right. I think if, if it mm-hmm. were a less productive relationship, it'd be like, mm, like you're you're tapping a lot of my time. You know, like you yeah. should figure this out yourself or this is what you're here for, right? You're the GM. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like that. It's 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 the other way. It's it's much more collaborative and um, intellectually stimulating, I would say. I think like that's that's yeah. huge, right? It's intellectually stimulating for both of us because they do such a great job of managing laterally. That's great. So actually, let's let's jump into that now. We, we've alluded to it to to it a couple of times. The idea of like toxic bosses and when it's not an ideal scenario of who you're managing up to. So let's talk about your tweet about that. So you said important note: these ideas do not apply to toxic bosses. Those who throw you under the bus, gaslight you, and refuse to acknowledge your contributions. Sadly, many of us have had to work under leaders like this, and the damage can take years to undo. So other than what the long-term solution may be, which is warm up your resume and either transfer internally if you're at a big company or find a new job, what would your advice be for people who maybe do have a cha- uh, challenging boss? What can they do about this? I think what you said as a long-term solution is is definitely the most <laughs> ideal. So it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty hard to change people. Um, you usually don't have the leverage to, to change someone's orientation, personality um, sure. approach. So yeah, so I would say 90%, you know, Think about getting out of there, but mm-hmm. you know, in the meantime, because you know, not all of us have the um, the luxury of being able to to switch jobs. Um, mm-hmm. I think being clear on what your boss expects from you, by when, and what their style is that they re- they prefer to receive information from you or prefer to work with you. I think that's mm-hmm. probably something that you can do to improve and streamline that dynamic. I think a lot of us, you know, assume that our bosses um, prefer to communicate in the we in the way that we prefer to communicate. So, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm more of a text-driven person and I like uh, typing things out um, and sending Slack messages that describe things or, or creating Google Docs, my manager might actually prefer a quick phone call instead, or vice versa. There's a lot of people who, you know, assume their boss wants to talk about something and and talk through the thought process when their boss actually want to know the bottom line, you know, what did you decide on? Like, I don't want to hear the backstory. I don't want to hear your thought process. I just want to hear what you decided on. And if I'm okay with that as boss, then, then we're good to go. Right. So depending on your boss, like they could have very different preferences with the amount of context that they want, the way that they want to hear that context, um, the type of decision that they want to be kept in the loop on. 
So there's yeah. all kinds of assumptions that we make. Um, and usually if you, if you have a good relationship with your boss, you kind of figure that out together. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you don't really have that, being more explicit up front and, and just asking them and getting some examples, right? It's a little bit more upfront work, but saying, you know, in these situations, do you want me to keep you in the loop or should I just go ahead and do it? Because I want to make sure I'm not yep. bothering you, you know, with stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. Uh, whereas with this kind of decision, uh, and, you know, and what, what, what belongs in this bucket? What are the, cu- what are the types of decisions that belong in the bucket of, um, yes, you should keep me in the loop, um, you know, on a, on a more frequent basis? Yeah, I think that's great. The one thing I would add too is if you can figure out what the motivations are for your manager, like what are the what are the key things they're trying to deliver, that can help you figure out how to bring alignment where you can say, hey, you know what? If I know that they're trying trying to really accomplish X, I can try and make sure the things that I present to them are aligned against that as well. So I think those are kind of some of the tricks that you can use. Uh, I also like what you mentioned, Wes, about specifically building building out your communication style to match and mirror theirs. I think that's a very basic like human principle. Like you mirror, you mirror someone's posture, you mirror someone's body language, you actually feel more connected to them. And so if you do have a more difficult boss, those simple hacks can, can make a difference and chip away at some of the problems. As you can hear in Wes's suggestions and our discussion, a lot of managing up is about understanding and setting clear expectations with your manager. The private, recurring time of a one-on-one is the perfect place to clear that up with your manager, whether they're difficult or awesome to work with. Looking back at Mark's discussion again, just like he talked about how foundational one-on-ones are to relationship, Mike Pretlove agrees that they're key to engaging effectively with your team. And so in episode seven, Mike reminds us that your one-on-ones are a great place to give feedback and coaching to your team. Mike has some great advice on how to think about feedback and praise and how those habits can fit into your one-on-ones as well as other key situations. Spouse, their pet, their children's birthdays, all these things that you need to know about your team. As your team grows... that empathy you were talking about. You need help to do this. I think that Mm -hmm. humans are social creatures, but there is a limit to how much you can contain information at the front of your brain (laughs) <laughs> ready to go every day. And so things like Lighthouse can help with that. Also, because it does have the uh, routine, it can build that routine where you connect with someone. And one thing to remember that if you are doing one-on-ones with people in your team uh, and they are effective one-on-ones where you're delivering feedback, you're working mm-hmm. through goals and you're forming that connection, building that empathy, this may be the single most important thing to the individual that you're meeting with in their week, month, fortnight, whatever it might be, that may be the single most important thing for them where they feel that Mm -hmm. they can express themselves, where they can get validation for their efforts, where they can seek Mm -hmm. constructive improvements because believe it or not, people do like to know how they can do better. And if that's the case, you really, really do need to make it your priority as well. So any sort of tool, application, if you prefer to write it in a notebook, however it works for you as an individual, treating Mm -hmm. the one-on-one with that level of respect for the individual will pay off in spades later. Yeah. And is I guess, is is the one-on-one the place where you typically uh, were giving most of your feedback to the team? Generally, when you're in person, if you're physically in an office, then I feel (laughs) it's better to approach them. And of course, you need to be mindful of of how the feedback will be interpreted by the rest of the team. If you're an open plan office, 
and you give someone yeah. some positive feedback soon, quick, smaller, sooner feedback, then that's yeah. generally a good thing because the team can see that's happening. So they sort of get an understanding of the individual's contribution, what they've done well. It's sort of a reminder that this is good behavior that we like. Mm-hmm. Being mindful of how constructive or negative feedback may be seen by the team and also how the individual receiving that feedback will take that negative feedback in a public setting. How sure. And that's part of the empathy. How would you feel if your boss or your manager told you this particular feedback in front of everyone? Would you get defensive? Keep that in mind. So a one-on-one can be a really good system for delivering that feedback either because of that team dynamic, because it's an open plan yeah. office, or because you're simply yeah. working remotely, which many people are now. Yeah, that's a very good point. I always like the the line, uh, praise in public and uh, give, give feedback in private or, or criticize in private. Um, I think it saves a lot of that face, but I also always want to call out uh, for the introverts. There are definitely people, uh, and I've had some friends explain it to me in, in shocking detail, how there are people out there who get mortified if you like call them out in a large group and say they did something like really awesome. We're not here to play armchair psychologist, but like you should respect that people are different, have different approaches for what they're comfortable with. And so, you know, when you talk about learning empathy for your team, one of the things that you might want to do from the very first day is get to know them in a way to say, hey, how do you like to receive feedback and praise? And you'll find that it may be 50 50, it may be 60 40, 70 30, but find out what people like because. In my experience, for every time you're like, great, that person loves public praise, you're also going to have somebody that just like gets completely uncomfortable and wants to melt away from the situation. And you want to find that out in private, maybe in your one-on-one before you do it in public and you see their face and go, oh my gosh, they're not reacting how I thought they would. Absolutely Um, So. So, so you're, you're bringing a really good point and certainly the remote dynamics change it too. And, you know, you could possibly uh, not even understand, like if you post some, you know, some great praise for them in Slack, you may not even know uh, that they're mortified on the other side of the screen um, or you get back to the office and you just operate the same way you had before. But now there is that public environment in front of everyone. So definitely make sure to get to know, uh, get to know what people prefer because some people have thicker skin than others and some people just prefer different things. So, you know, some people won't mind if you give them, you know, some pretty tough feedback in front of other people. And a lot of people will really resent that. So, uh, you know, definitely one of the ways that feedback and empathy overlap is to consider both of those. Absolutely. And remember being a great coach who gives feedback to improve their team and praise to let them know when they're doing a good job is a key part of being a good manager. And not surprisingly, the private recurring nature of one-on-ones combine to give you a great time already on your calendar to deliver both and show your team that they matter and you notice. So remember that coaching is a big part of one-on-ones, which is what we learned from Mike in addition to some other great lessons. Then in the following episode, episode eight, Fabian Carmago and I talked about becoming a manager and some of the most important skills you must master early on as a new manager. And not surprisingly, one of the key examples is that being a good manager doesn't require you to be an extrovert, but you do have to be comfortable interacting with your team one-on-one. Because as a manager, you're going to have to talk to people in one-on-ones and meetings or whatnot. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I want to point out that it doesn't mean are you an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And the, those two things are not the same. And, and I know a lot of people that are more on the introverted side that are very good managers, right? And mm-hmm. 
that are very easy to talk to in a one-on-one setting or, or a small group meeting, right? You can be a very effective manager, even if you are more introverted. Mm-hmm. But you do kind of have you do just have to like talking to people. Like if you don't, if you you know want to be left alone and don't want to talk to anybody all day, management's mm-hmm. probably not a great fit. Mm-hmm. The second question that she has is, um, is there like a a task that for you is your craft, like coding, for example, or it could be writing, it could be whatever it may be that you just really enjoy doing, and like your job satisfaction c- comes from doing that thing most of the time. Right, maybe even all the time. Like you really want to just spend all day long coding, all day long writing. Sure. Versus, do you get more satisfaction from like getting it done and doing whatever it is needed, wearing whatever hat you need on that particular week to get the job done to support your team? Because if you like more variety, right, more variety in your in your week, management's actually a pretty good fit, right? One week, your your team's going to need. Um, you know, a lot of product planning. Another week, you're going to have to be doing interviewing. Another week, you're going to have, or even in your day, right? You're going to you're going to go from a one-on-one meeting to a project meeting to maybe doing a little bit of coding to maybe thinking or strategizing a new initiative, like how should we improve our performance management process mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. There's just like a lot of variety in your day. One-on-ones are a key part of your responsibility as a leader, so you need to lean into it and be comfortable having them. As you can hear in so many of these interviews, they touch on many of the biggest challenges you'll face as a manager and how to solve them. That's why Fabian mentioned is one of the most important things for new managers to master. For those already a manager who maybe are pretty new at it, um, what are the kinds of things at a high level um, they should focus on to be successful as a first-time manager? How can they start off at least on the right foot, whether it turns out you know, a year from now they're actually stepping back? Yeah, no, uh, I love that question too. Uh, and I have to, two, two things that, that that come to mind. And the first, I think, will be near and dear to your heart, right? Yeah. The first thing I would say is is look at your one on ones and and try to evaluate how they are now and and try to improve them. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think if you were to write a list of all the things that you need to do as a manager, uh, and then and then think about you know which of those you can do in a one on one. Mm-hmm. And which of those are, are you can do particularly well or particularly suited to a one-on-one conversation, mm-hmm. you would see that there's a big subset of that, right? Mm-hmm. The one-on-one is not the only tool that management managers have. There's other interactions that are, that are important, but I feel like it's, the, it's such a versatile tool, mm-hmm. right? That if, if you have to pick one thing that you want to improve as a manager, trying to improve this recurring meeting that you have every week, every other week with everybody on your team can have mm-hmm. such a positive impact. Uh, totally. And I promise Jason didn't pay me for this, uh, <laughs> but there's some, there are some awesome articles on the Get Lighthouse blog. There's one that's even called uh, the one-on-one development, right? That looks at like different stages of development of your one-on-ones. Uh, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of good stuff in that blog and I've used that blog uh, for years to help me talk about one-on-ones. There's tons of one-on-one questions. Um, it's a really good source for, for this topic. Um, but that is the, the first thing that comes to mind is try to improve your one-on-ones. Totally. We'll drop a bunch of links in the, in the uh, <laughs> show, show notes to help get you started on some of the things he talked about. It's cool. Uh, so what's number two? What's the second? And one? N- number two is, is going back to, that, um, to one of those things that's really challenging for engineering managers mm-hmm. is to, to coach a little bit more. 
and and I'll be very specific about what what this means, right? Um, when somebody come and comes and asks you a question, right? I think it would be a mistake for me to say, oh, you should you should change your style rat drastically and go from mm-hmm. what you're doing now to a pure coaching style. I think yeah. what a, the, the the practical advice is try to ask a few more questions, even if it's one or two, and give a little bit less advice and direction. So if somebody comes and asks you a question and you have an answer and you're excited to tell them that answer, I'm not telling you not to give them that answer. Just try to pause and refrain Mm -hmm. just for a little bit and ask one, maybe two coaching questions. And you can go online and and find some some good ones. Generally speaking, a what or how open-ended question. Yeah. What are you trying to achieve? What does success look like? Uh, what ideas have you had so far? There's a ton of these. And if you can, you can even find one or two that you like and just start using those right? yeah. as a just tweak to your current style. And then once you've explored those questions, go ahead and just, if you want, tell them the answer that you had in mind and go back to your regular style. Mm-hmm. I think that that could be a good way for you to try this on for size and see what it feels like and sort of like, experience you know that style and then then you can see like how do those conversations feel differently and and what are the different outcomes and and was it a little bit better and maybe then you want to go down that route down that road and try to do a little bit more of that but ask a few more questions give a little bit less advice what a great pair of tips there fabian is spot on on how important coaching is and developing that skill And guess when the best time to coach people is? Your one-on-one. Again, because it's dedicated, it's lengthy, and it's private. So you can talk about these areas for them to improve in a variety of ways. And it wasn't just Fabian talking about this important. Christoph reinforced this in his episode 16 interview when he told us about learning as a new manager. Because you need to learn and level up when you're a manager just as much as any individual contributor on your team or you did in previous jobs. And that's why it was great to hear about how coaching fits into the role of a manager to grow your people. I think it's very, very important to uh, have the relationship with mm-hmm. everyone, one-on-one relationship. Yeah. Yeah, so of course, one-on-one meetings yeah. are something that uh, it's, it's essential. Yeah. I'm meeting with my leaders um, every week. Mm-hmm. And this is something that um, I think for, for me, this is like my duty to be there yeah. for them. And I, I, I'm not canceling or postponing those meetings. I, I'm there for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to have this kind of relationship with them. Yeah. And um, depending on what you want to improve, you have to find specific tools. Sometimes we are uh, looking for some mentor mm-hmm. that we can pay like for a few, few sessions with some mentor. Yeah. Sometimes we are buying some course or some, um, I don't know, some um, online, online training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sometimes we are looking for some peer group in our company that yeah. are you know, familiar with some kind of technology or some or some skill. So it should be like very very focused, yeah, and mm-hmm. very um, very um, let's say um, personalized. Yeah. Now that you see all these leaders talking about how important coaching is, if you want more advice on coaching, be sure to listen to episode three to learn the prepare, listen, act model for one on ones. And if you want a complete suite of tools to be a better manager then consider taking a look at our software suite called Lighthouse Pro.
How are you really doing as a manager? What does your team think of you? And how can you improve? These are common questions every good manager has, but if you don't find out the answers to them, you're not going to become the best manager you can be. Instead, you risk being blindsided by surprise turnover or secret frustrations your team has about you that you never even knew about. To become a great manager means investing in yourself. You need to build the right habits, measure how you're doing, and learn new skills to keep improving. That's why we built Lighthouse Pro. It includes everything you need to be a great leader, including our one-on-one software to help you build and keep the right habits to build great relationships with your team. Our manager score benchmarking survey that gives you anonymous feedback from your team on how you're really doing and how you can improve based on your score. And we give you access to our Lighthouse Lessons program to learn new skills you can immediately apply to your team to bring out their best. Getting access to Lighthouse Pro starts by signing up for a 21-day free trial of Lighthouse. You can see today how you can have better one-on-ones and much more that makes you a better manager at GetLighthouse.com now. Now, something we didn't talk about yet that I think is really important is managing remote employees. Because the fact is, post-COVID, we're all managing hybrid teams or some companies have completely gotten rid of their office for good. And so there's a pretty good chance that even if you're not managing anyone remotely right now, you will be in the future. And so you really need to master that skill. And so, especially for remote teams, you have to cherish your one-on-ones, as Valentina told us in episode 17. Yeah, you you do notice uh, that different people respond differently. And I think like realizing that it's we're not trading all of our screwdrivers for hammers. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize when to use each of them and when actually using both is actually maybe better than any one individually. Mm -hmm. And I think that also what makes a good leader, like to understand whom in your team needs what. And one example there is... um, you need one-on-ones. And that's one of the things in remote work that I'm, that's a hill I'm going to die on. You need to yeah. like weekly or at least bi-weekly one-on-ones. You need to talk to your people because you don't see what's going in their lives by like these random interactions in the office. So you have to put a little bit of structure into it. And one yep. thing is doing like a- asynchronous check-ins on Slack or Teams or whatever, where people just put in what they do in the day-to-day. But like once a week, get together, even if it's half an hour, and yep. just talk about not only about what's going on in work, but also what is going on in their lives because yes. they're working from home. If their kids <laughs> don't, can't go to school because the, the Omicron is all around, then this will impact their work, whether you want that or not. So you need to know yeah. that. And then if somebody really wants to like just talk, then you talk. But if somebody uh, opens up a lot more in a chat one-in-one, you can absolutely mix it up and from time to time do a one-in-ones that are synchronous, but you're mm-hmm. writing on a Google Doc or you're discussing something on a Google Doc. Yeah. Like you don't need, there's no one size fits all and has to work for everyone. And you can experiment and it's much easier to experiment in a remote environment than in an office environment. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really good point, especially the more you as a leader can adapt a little bit to your team and recognize that. And keep in mind that when you do embrace asynchronous communication to get your meeting workload under control when you're managing remote team members, you need to recognize that some things will still need to happen that are meetings like one-on-ones. For example, checking if everyone is participating in a group document is a great way to make sure that asynchronous communication is working at your company. 
And the best place to raise concerns about some people not participating in those things is in your one-on-ones, as Valentina told us in her interview. Yeah. Are there any other things that the managers should look out for that are pitfalls for asynchronous communication and in particular how to then avoid those? Check who's participating and who's not participating. Okay. And that's okay. then something that you can look at in one-in-ones. And I don't mean that everybody mm-hmm. needs to participate at the same level, but if there are people whose voice you never hear or read, then it's, I think it's worth digging into why is that or what is actually happening there. And maybe they are just, mm-hmm. they need like a smaller group to actually participate, or maybe something is wrong and they're completely disconnected from what they are doing, which can also yeah. happen. Which mm-hmm. can happen because simply they feel lost or because they have stuff going on in their private life that hopefully you are aware because you have one-on-ones with them. But there is an interesting... You can actually analyze who participates how, for example, in your Slack and create... like It looks a little bit like a spider web and, and figure out who's communicating with whom and who's maybe on the edge and who's like very important, etc. Dr. Katerina Bolek-Carbonet, I can also... like yes. Her company does this for a living, basically. They help you analyze the communication patterns within your company. And it's very interesting because if you understand the communication pattern in your company, you can also... You see... Are there risks? Like, is there, for example, one or two people, if they leave, then you don't have a company anymore because everything Mm -hmm. goes through them. Or are there people that never talk to anyone and you're like, oh, they might be on churn risk because they're clearly not really invested in what they're doing anymore. So you can look a lot of these uh, things up through the communication that's happening. And uh, you can do this with data analysis or you can just check, like, who is doing... Who's never writing anything personal in their check-ins or who is never writing their check-ins on that you have the asynchronous check-ins that you have or who is only ever talking on one topic and seems not to be at all aware that this other topic is also going on. So like having a little bit of pulse on what is going on, it doesn't mean you have to read everything, which after a certain size at a company is completely not viable, but getting an idea, at least for the people that report to you, how engaged they are. And that doesn't like engagement is this this fuzzy thing where I because I don't think your company needs, needs to be your family or your best friend either. In the end, like it's right. a job that you do because you want to pay your rent, but there's still <laughs> yeah. you still want everybody to like be comfortable and to be participatory. Not 12 yeah. hours a day, but definitely whatever they need to get their job done. And bringing it full circle, fundamentally, as a manager, if you're transitioning to managing remotely or still trying to get the hang of it, even if you've done it for a while, keep in mind Valentina's big three pieces of advice that she told us at the end of, the, end of her episode. If a manager is thinking, oh man, we've got a lot of work to do with our suddenly forced into it remote or hybrid team. What do you think are the two or three biggest things that are the first baby steps towards some of the bigger stuff we talked about today that managers could do? What could they go and either do themselves or talk to their team about in the next couple of days? So the first thing I think is make sure that you have those one-in-ones in your agenda mm-hmm. and that you don't skip them just because you are stressed. Because yeah. from a manager point of view, like I get it. You have 16 people that report to you. So you spend the entire day in meetings and you're just like so tired of it. But for mm-hmm. your individual contributors, that's often the only re- meeting that they have per week apart from the team meeting. 
So mm-hmm. depending on their role, they actually this is the one time where they can actually talk about what is going on in their life with somebody without feeling like they're stealing the time from someone else. So mm-hmm. don't skip those meetings. Like it's important and it's even more important for the other person than it is for you. And then do a meeting audit. Like which of those meetings in your agenda should not be there, can be shorter. Like just because Google thinks a meeting should be an hour or 30 minutes doesn't mean it have to be an hour or 30 minutes. You can perfectly well have 15 minute meetings. There is no, there's no law against short meetings and start declining meetings Mm -hmm. and not just decline and then leave it at that, but actually decline and then send an email afterwards and explain why you declined, especially when you decline people who are hierarchical, like on a lower level than you are so that it doesn't sound like, oh, I don't want to talk to you, but more hey, like, I want to give us both space to get our work done. So can you give me more info and I can give you my opinion or, it, mm-hmm. and then, oh, and block out your lunch break as a meeting. So nobody <laughs> can put their meeting into your lunch break. <laughs> yes. No, those are great. I think we've given people a lot of food for thought today. And to wrap it all up, remember the lessons from Jeremy Brown in episode 15 on how to rapidly rise as a leader, where you go from individual contributor to manager, to department lead, to executive. Small gestures actually can mean a lot more to people. So I guess kind of uh, um, uh, bringing it full circle, I think the three pieces of advice we have here is embrace repetition. Think about things you're trying to establish with your team and company right now and think about different ways that you can repeat yourself. We'll link in the show notes to specific posts. They'll give you more ideas Mm -hmm. on the idea of repeating yourself more to have good ideas sink in. Uh, Number two is... Use your one-on-ones effectively. So you should be meeting with your team every week or two. Um, and you want to use that as a feedback loop. So if there are things you are working on them, you know, the saying is praise in public and give feedback privately. If you have things you need to work on with someone, that's what you should use your one-on-ones for that and like career and getting feedback from them and things like that. And then the third one is um, thank people and do it often. Um, whether your company already has a high five channel or something like that where you can praise stuff, if you don't, create create something for yourself, whether that be an email you send out to the team, it's something you do in Slack, something you do at the start of a weekly team meeting. However you do it, um, start looking for ways to praise some small wins. Like literally, I think of all the three things, the one you could do literally today is come up with at least one person on your team that you could recognize for doing one thing you really liked and tell them what it was and why you liked it. What a great way to wrap it up. A giant thank you to Jeremy, Valentina, Mark, Fabian, Wes, Mike, Christoph, and our many other guests for sharing their advice, insights, and hard-earned lessons and perspectives as a leader. Episode 20 would not have been possible without their help. And as you can see, even though we covered dozens of topics in this first season, one-on-ones kept coming up. They really are the centerpiece of great management, which is also why we built Lighthouse to help you make these meetings awesome. From helpful prep and structure to suggested questions for dozens of different topics you can use to show your team what's safe to discuss in your one-on-ones and bring those insights you need to be a better manager. Our software from Lighthouse helps you be a better leader and expand the value of your one-on-ones every single day. So as a final reminder, sign up for a free trial of our software. You can try it risk-free for 21 days at getlighthouse.com. And best of all, when you do try it out, At any point in time you decide it's not for you, we have an export of all of your notes so you always own your data so that you can try us out and then go back to whatever you are doing before, absolutely no risk. So sign up at getlighthouse.com to try us out to see how we can help you make it easier to follow some of the advice we talked about today. And of course, most importantly, I want to thank you for listening this season. We appreciate every bit of feedback and praise we've received from all of you this season and every listener has been valued. 
as a closing ask, uh, I want to ask two things of you. First, if there's a burning management problem you have that you hope we'll do a future episode on how to handle, please email us at blog at getlighthouse.com or reply to one of our podcast emails to let us know what you want us to talk about. I can tell you that dozens and dozens and dozens of our best blog posts on our blog were inspired by readers like you to the blog. And we want to bring the same input to future seasons of the podcast. So let us know what you want to hear by replying to blog at getlighthouse.com. And the second thing is, you know, we put a lot of work as a team into these episodes. And so if you loved an episode, you think it'll help a friend out, please share the podcast with a fellow manager you think would benefit. The more people we help, the more we're encouraged to continue the show for many future seasons. So thank you again to everyone who helped make this a great first season. And I look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you again next year.